terms of what the processes look like. So really beginning at our elders retreat last year, um, based on Mark's initiation, we began a discussion that we kind of talked about, but it became a, a conversation in earnest about the transition of him uh, moving out of that worship pastor role and having somebody young uh, that comes into that position as a new generation of leadership within our church, just always wanting to raise up, as we've talked about often around here, a, a new generation of uh, leaders in ministry. And just as an encouragement in that, um, you know, the fact that it came from Mark, the fact that we are in a healthy place, and the fact that we can do this in uh, a time where we don't have a sense of urgency, that we just have to do something right away, where we you know, are prone to make a poor decision, we can just take our time. And that's what we've done. So really, during the fall, we wrote the job description for the worship pastor position. And as I mentioned to you when I first introduced that to you, we were very intentional that we wanted something more than just a music leader. We wanted a worship pastor. And so we interacted with different people. And one of the folks that I talked to, his name's Matt Boswell, and he is a worship pastor in the Dallas area, uh, really seems to have an alignment with what we created in the job description. I looked at our job description. I kind of listened to his heart, and I thought, man, they, they really line up. So I talked to him and just got his input and insight, and he said, Boy, Todd, it sounds like what you're looking for is a singing shepherd. I said, yes, I like that. We're going to go with that. So really, that's kind of been our heart. And so we formed a search team in the spring uh, from members of Melanie Park, and and we began a process of considering candidates. And uh, Brian uh, applied in April, so he was one of the first uh, applicants that applied and I did something uh, with every applicant that came in. Before we brought it to the search team, I called each applicant and I asked them two questions. I said, number one, what interests you about this position? And number two, what do you know about Lubbock? <laughs> <laughs> because I really felt like I needed some good clarity on those two things before I ever took anything to the search team to consider. And as you might expect, we had any variety of responses to that. Um, I want to tell you about um, what Brian uh, said to me when I asked that question. And I have my notes from that conversation back in uh, April or early June. I can't remember. I think it was April when we, when we first talked. Um, but he said, well, let me answer that in two ways. He said, first, I want to tell you what I've learned about your church, that it seems healthy to me. And he says, then I want to share a couple of things that I really like about what I've seen. And so he said, you know, I listened to your family meeting online. And he says, it sounds like you guys are in a healthy place financially. He says, I, I listened to the way you uh, talked about the ministry there, and it sounds like a multi-generational uh, multi church. He says, those are things that seem like uh, are signs of a healthy church. He said, I listened to the sermon that you guys did where the testimonies were given by Macy and Abby and Mrs. Courtney. He says, that was so encouraging to see an older generation investing in the life of a younger generation. He says, that seems real healthy to me. He said, uh, I love the way you've done the leadership development in your student ministry. He said, I heard y'all talking about that, and, and that seems really healthy to, to kind of go in and invest in the younger generation and help them understand what it means to live a life of ministry and service. He said, uh, the, the, this may be the 
uh, one that he got wrong. He says, it really seems like the elders uh, seem humble. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but he said, one of the things that I like is it seems like you've had a pattern when you can of hiring from within. He seems that seems really healthy if you're able to do that. Um, and he says, it seems really healthy that Mark initiated the transition. Uh, that seems like a, a sign of a, of a healthy church. So I'm taking notes as he's listing this off going, oh, my gosh, this man has done his homework. I had no conversation that came anywhere close to what Brian shared during that first conversation. And he said, here's a couple of things that I really like about what I've learned about Melanie Park just from looking online, listening to sermons. He said, I like the fact that most of your pastoral staff have served in a secular job. He says that seems good because they can really relate better. Instead of just kind of growing up in a life of ministry, they've been out in the real world. And he says, I'd like to see that. Um, he says, it, it doesn't appear to be flashy and, and, and trendy, and it looks like you really love kids. And we have a young family, and we really like that. So that was my first conversation with Brian, and it really set him apart from any conversation I had with any other applicants. Um, so, with that, I presented Brian, as I did other applicants, um, to the search team, and uh, we began the process of, of consideration on that. Um, so, then, um, we had an online interview, so the first thing we did after reviewing the, the application, decided, yeah, we want to kind of interact with this guy a little bit. We did, Doug helped us do something online so that it was a real-time interview with Brian and Ashley in Connecticut and with the search team in the room back there, and we could see each other live and have a conversation, and uh, so that's how we did our first uh, interview was online. And then, by God's providence, in early June, after Graham graduated, we had a family trip planned to New York, and I said, hey, Brian, this is a shot in the dark, but any chance you can meet us for lunch in New York? Um, and he said, yeah, I think we can do that. So they took a train from where they lived, two and a half hours away, into New York City with three kids, five, three, and one, <laughs> and met us for lunch. Well, I didn't realize, because I'm not a New York guy, I, I, I had no idea what we were really asking of them. And when it was all said and done, I told the elders, I told the search team, I said, man, if there was any ugliness that was going to get squeezed out, that was the perfect situation, <laughs> because that was not easy to do. But they did amazing, and they were such a treat to be around, and we really had an enjoyable time. So we had lunch together. We went to Central Park and just visited with each other. So that was kind of the next step in that process. Brian and I have had pretty much weekly calls uh, since that point. Just sometimes he would send me a list of questions that I would try to answer. Sometimes I would send him a list that he would answer, and that we just kind of continued the dialogue. And uh, as a part of the process, we uh, did background checks, um, like we do with all those involved in ministry. It's part of the world in which we live today, and so we were diligent to do that. And we also uh, asked him to go through some psychological testing. Um, I told Roger this morning, I said, you know, the average applicant probably looks at some of the stuff that we asked of them thinking, what in the world are these guys doing? You know, this is just kind of over the top. But we really felt responsible to ensure that we did everything we could to present to you somebody who had been vetted in a variety of ways to serve in the capacity of a pastoral staff members. And so he was willing to go through that. In fact, he told us when it was done, because we had an elder conversation when he was on site. He said, hey, look, by the time this is done, you're going to know if I'm a psychopath, a criminal, or a heretic. 
You're right. That's kind of the intent. Uh, we want to make sure we rule those things out for sure. Um, but then Brian, a few weeks ago, came in just by himself for an on-site interview, and we had a chance to interact with him. That's when the elder interview took place. We went through a number of doctrinal discussions. For me, that was the highlight of this interview process, was having that conversation with Brian, because it was an enjoyable, uh, aligning conversation. Uh, one of the things that I can tell you, and that was communicated by the search team, I asked them in this last, after his visit, I said, all right, you guys tell me how you see the Lord either confirming or redirecting. And one of the things that kept coming up is the consistency of what we've seen in his character throughout this process in a variety of means, whether that's references, whether that's the testing that we did, whether that's the conversations, the interviews, there's a consistency. The pattern has been unchanged. He's been very humble. He's been very teachable. Um, it has been a long and thorough process and intentionally so, but they have been faithful to walk through that. So um, I'm going to let them now take some time to introduce themselves and their family. And then I'm going to give you guys a chance to just ask questions um, that you might have of them. And I was talking to Ashley this morning. She says, my heart's racing like it was my wedding day or something. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. It's, this is an uncomfortable place. And I said, but you're in a good place. These are great people. They love the this church, and uh, you'll be in good hands with them, so please be gracious. <laughs> so when we did get married, Ashley wasn't in a boot, so um, she hurt her foot somehow. We're still not quite sure. The doctor put her in that just for this trip. When she gets back, she's going to get checked out, but, but Todd diagnosed it in the car, so I think uh, we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> So in the service, I'm going to give my testimony, kind of share, you know, how God saved me and what he's been doing in my life. Uh, but for now, I just want to give a brief introduction to our family and um, kind of give our side of the, the process thus far, how we got to this point where we're sitting in front of you uh, wonderful people. Uh, so this is Ashley. Uh, we've been married for six years and together have uh, three kids. So our oldest is at home with uh, my mom. Uh, this is Brooke, Brooke Morgan. And uh, she is our caring, nurturing second mom, essentially. She takes care of her two younger sisters really well and um, is just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, our second is Nora. She is three. And um, she's our mellow, kind of just go with the flow. Um, we joke all the time that Nora is just off playing in her own little world. She just is in Nora's world, enjoys life, super sweet our three-year-old. And then Callie, our one-year-old, is with us. Uh, she's sleeping right now in the nursery. She fell asleep in the car. So if you hear screaming in 30 minutes, that's her waking up wondering where the heck she is. <laughs> but she's our one-year-old, and she's just discovering how to interact with her sisters. She's learning that she has a voice and can, like, put her foot down and, and get what she wants. Uh, she's super sweet as well, and uh, some of you have uh, had the chance to meet her uh, this weekend. Uh, but Ashley and I met back in 2010. We were both living in Louisville, Texas, and uh, we had both started working at the same company at the same time and really just became friends right away. Um, about a year or so later, we realized that we like, like liked each other, and um, we started dating at that point and um, got married in, in 2012, April 27th, uh, 2012. And uh, six months later, we packed a U-Haul and moved up north to Connecticut. 
Um, I had grown up in Shelton, Connecticut, and a friend of mine had planted a church up there um, that we just were really feeling called to go be a part of, to help serve in whatever ways we could. Uh, so we moved up north, and um, after being there uh, for about a year, I joined the staff part-time as the worship director. Uh, the guy that they had had stepped away, so I was able to fill, fill that role for them. And I served in that role for uh, three years, a little over three years. And then I had handed that ministry off to a younger uh, guy in his mid-20s who was an emerging worship leader. So I handed that over to him and then stepped into some more administrative roles uh, at the church that needed to be filled. Um, about a year ago now, uh, we felt the Lord transitioning us out of that church. Um, we were just feeling that our season there at Living Hope Church and also perhaps in Connecticut was coming to a close. Um, so after a lengthy process of just talking things through with the pastor and the elders, we, we uh, had, had a good transition out. We just wanted to make sure they were good on their end, we were good on our end, and we just felt the Lord moving us on. Uh, so right now we're just kind of hanging out at a, a good evangelical free church uh, in the next town over and just, um, just kind of waiting to see what the Lord's going to do. Uh, so coinciding with that transition um, was just a calling for me to return to full-time ministry. Uh, I had worked full-time as a worship director from 2006 to 2009, uh, but at that point, from 2009 to present, I've been working full-time in the secular uh, world and um, was just feeling called back to ministry and then also our family just feeling called back to Texas. Um, I'll share more about that momentarily. And so as Todd said, back in March, uh, I began my search, uh, just looking online at some uh, church ministry job boards. And I remember clearly one night I was rocking our one-year-old Callie to sleep in her room and just flipping through the Gospel Coalition job board and came across Melanie Park, read the job description. I said, that looks like a good fit. And uh, that night I, I sent Todd my cover letter and application, and he, he called me the next day and began the process he spoke of. Um, so reading through the job description initially, um, it just looked like a great fit. It seemed there was alignment in a lot of key areas and that Melanie Park was looking for someone with my particular background and skill sets to lead into the next season. And um, to give you an idea of how I'm wired and a little bit of background, uh, I want, just want to share a brief snippet from my cover letter. So I said, Dear Todd, uh, I'm writing to express interest in the worship pastor opportunity at Melanie Park Church. It seems that this role aligns well with my passion, experience, gifting, and calling. My passion is to see people developed as disciples of Jesus and equipped for all of life worship and mission through the local church. For over 15 years, I've been working toward this end in a variety of worship leadership, discipleship, and teaching and preaching contexts. Paired with natural abilities in music, God has given me spiritual gifts of leadership, teaching, and administration. Interpersonally, I, I work well with others and have a track record of collaborative, effective leadership in both corporate and church contexts. So the letter went on, but I won't at this point. Uh, but just a brief background into a little bit how I'm wired and um, uh, where I'm at. So over these past four months, uh, the process, we've uh, affectionately termed the process, um, I, I've developed um, uh, uh, kind of an understanding of who Melanie Park is and, and how Melanie Park's wired. And as Todd mentioned, a few things that stood out to me uh, from the website, but then even more so with my interactions with y'all, is um, just your commitment to God's word and the importance of not just having a song leader, but a pastor of worship. Someone who, beyond singing, beyond leading, 
is committed to shepherding, caring for, and equipping the body for worship and discipleship. So a few years back, I developed my own kind of philosophy of worship leadership, and I still kind of operate with this in mind. So I think the role of a worship team and the role of a worship pastor is to equip the body, so you guys, for all of life worship through corporate worship, our times in here, that are centered on the gospel, led by God's spirit, and shaped by God's word. So my role, if, I, if the Lord to bring me in here, is to equip you all for all of life worship through our times together that are centered on the gospel, led by God's spirit, and framed out by God's word. That's kind of how I operate in a worship pastoring role. So equipping the body in biblically shaped ways that lead to biblically faithful responses, both in here and out there. Because uh, I think that, and I, Todd does as well, what we do in here is shaping us for our lives of worship and obedience out there. And I couldn't be more excited to, to, for the opportunity, if the Lord leads, to lead and to pastor here at Melanie Park. So I'm particularly excited uh, for the opportunity to lead worship among a people who love truth and desire to more deeply know truth. A people who believe that truth produces life. I feel like I've heard that somewhere. So I'm convinced that the depth of our worship together is contingent upon the depths of truth that we experience in God's word. And the heights of our worship together is contingent upon the heights of truth that we see and savor in God's word. So I want to be a word-centered worship leader here. So to wrap this up and then to move into the, the time of Q&A, um, on a personal note, uh, this Melanie Park opportunity has been an answer to Ashley and my prayer. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've been in Connecticut for six years now, um, but as a Texas native, Ashley hasn't really felt that Connecticut's home. Um, and for me, too, living in, I lived in Dallas for three years. Ashley's a Dallas uh, native, born and raised. But even me living up in Connecticut, there's just something about Texas that kind of just, just draws you back. So we always thought, honestly, even moving to Connecticut six years ago, that we would end up back down here. Uh, but we didn't know when, where, or how. And for all these things to kind of be converging now on this Melanie Park opportunity, uh, we're just really excited and just really feel the Lord's been clearly directing this. Um, we've been blown away by you all here at Melanie Park. Um, like Todd mentioned, I was down here a month ago and just got to meet some great people, told Ashley about y'all, and she's gotten to meet you all this weekend. And we're just, we love the fact, as Todd mentioned, that you guys are just committed to being a multi-generational church. There's just so much value in that that you don't see in a lot of other places. So we felt loved and cared for by Todd, the elders, and even the search team throughout this whole process. It's not like you guys were just looking for someone to fill a spot, but you cared about us as people, not just as a potential pastor, but as people. And every step of the way, uh, we've just sensed the, the depth of community here, and this is something that we'd love to be a part of. So we're hopeful for the opportunity to call Melanie Park home. And I uh, would love to join you all in what God's doing here in Lubbock. So Sounds good. That's it. Ashley, I'm going to give this to you so you can use this if you need to. All right. So if you have anything that you would like to ask them about based on what uh, Brian has communicated or any additional information that would be helpful to you, we invite your questions at this time. Brad. And let uh, Carrie run the mic so that everybody can hear whatever you're going to say. Brian. Hello. Testing. Yep. 
Brian, how did you answer the Lubbock question? You never, we never oh, heard. I, wait, let me tell you what he said. It's good because I honestly don't remember. I do remember because it was a good answer. He said, well, what I know about Lubbock is it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> Actually, he said his uh, experience here uh, doesn't have any specific to Lubbock. Ashley grew up playing soccer in the DFW area, so she's been to Lubbock before as she played soccer and was involved in tournaments and that sort of thing. So she's familiar with Texas and West Texas a little bit, and Brian, all he knew at that point was uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. And then when he flew in, he said, uh, boy, there's a lot of circles on the ground. <laughs> I had no idea what those were. <laughs> it's an alien invasion is what it is. But, but I honestly had to Google from Dallas to Lubbock how far it was because I had no, no idea of, of how far Lubbock was from what I knew in Texas. So. Okay, first of all, and you're getting close, but it's y'all and not you all. <laughs> I've been you trying. You guys, I'm working on it. Cut me some slack. You... you Hinted at it, but I'd like to hear your personal testimony. Yeah, so in, well, the, in the service. Yeah, he's, hold that question. He's going to do that in the service. Okay, never mind. <laughs> There's Lance. How do you deal with tough problems in life? Great question. Um, I guess there's a few ways you could. You could confront them head on. You can completely withdraw. I guess there's a third middle way, which is how I hope I would deal with problems. Uh, depends what the problem is. Um, if it's an interpersonal problem, there comes a time where you have to confront it, but you do so in, in loving, gracious, thoughtful ways, maybe getting some wisdom from other people depending on the situation. Um, in the past, I've been like a just confront it and be done with it type guy, which doesn't usually go well. Um, there's usually a lot of shrapnel that happens in those conversations and, and takes some time to repair those relationships. But I'm learning through our, our marriage and just through relationships how to, how to confront but do so lovingly and graciously in, in seeking resolution to whatever the problem may be. Um, so is that kind of a wishy-washy answer or an okay answer? <laughs> Being here, is it a long-term commitment? Is it, what is it? Yeah, I mean, I was telling Todd at some point in our four months together, um, yeah, once we move here, I, I, we don't have any intention of leaving. I mean, from all we've heard from, from uh, people here, love is a great place to raise a family. We've got three little kids. Don't see us leaving anytime soon. Unless the Lord clearly directs us elsewhere, um, we see ourselves here for the long term. That's funny. I've never heard that before. That's funny. What we have heard is you don't come here for the beauty, but you come for the people. And we, we've really experienced that. Uh, what is your taste in music? Like, uh, what are some of your favorite singing groups? And sure. So uh, somebody on the search team asked this at some point. So I, I was born in 1983, so I kind of grew up on late 90s, early 2000s alternative rock. So if you were to find my musical center, it would probably be there. 
Um, though I do have a lot of experience in classical music, I was a, a, a music ed major in college and classical guitar was my instrument of focus. So I have some classical experience. I, I grew up playing the trumpet as well, so I have some of that band orchestral experience. You wouldn't want to hear me play now though, so it would sound very, very bad. Um, so, so alternative rock would be my center, classical. I, I enjoy and appreciate all kinds and forms of music. Um, I, I enjoy some modern worship music. Some is really, really cheesy. Some has lyrics that I wouldn't even consider Christian. Um, but there are some good modern uh, worship artists as well that are writing some great songs for the church uh, that I enjoy as well. I'm working on the country music, by the way. <laughs> Did y'all hear what Ashley said? Say it again, Ashley. So I'm working on planting that country music seed. <laughs> Subtly. When, when we were, I noticed, I picked up on this, Ashley. When we had dinner Friday night after they came in from the airport, we were at Teddy Jack's, and they were playing country music, and I could hear Ashley singing, and I thought, all right, this is going to work out just fine. <laughs> they don't have a lot of that in Connecticut. <laughs> so back here, um, I would just like to hear from Ashley kind of what your interests are outside your you know, hobbies, you know, just a little bit about you. Um, well, that's a tough question because, you know, the past five years you've had three kids, so, you know. Right now, I mean, I like, I like watching sports. I like being outside. I like crafting. I like photography. I love country music, so I'm a simple person. I don't really need much to, you know. I'm middle kids, so that might explain a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm... I just like to be around people, and I like to just sit and listen to people. So one of the things that I'll uh, add to this that came through the conversations, because we've had similar questions with Ashley along the way and Brian, and one of the things that they've said that uh, I was encouraged by and hopeful for them in is she's, she's made the comment several times that she really just wants to be in an environment where she can be around some older women to learn what it means to be a, a wife and mom. And to grow up in a community where she can learn and, and uh, develop some of those uh, attributes from what she sees around her. And again, that's another thing that's been communicated that I've thought, this is a great place for that very thing to happen. So I know that's something that they've longed for and desire and one of the attractions, wouldn't you say, for, for Melanie Park? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys, having been here for however long you've been, I don't know if you know how special this place is. You, you don't find community like this, at least in our church experiences, you don't find it. So this is a very special place. I'm sure there's other things that we haven't seen yet, but from what we've seen, this is very special. So you guys are blessed. Uh, just, the, just the depth of love that you just even see interacting in the hall, the, the fact that it seems like you care for each other, you guys have cared for us. Um, Y'all are just very friendly. Um, yeah, there's just, just the interpersonal stuff that we've seen here. It's, at least in the northeastern churches where we are, it's, it's not there. Um, there's some of it, but, but not an entire body who's, who's living that way in biblical community. Is there a question over here somewhere, too? I have the mic. Hi, I'm Kelly. This is my husband, Hisa. I love hearing testimonies. I think we're all blessed by it, so we're really looking forward to hearing yours, Brian, but... Ashley, will you be sharing your testimony later? If not, could you share yours now? (laughs) (laughs) 
She, um, Ashley, she, she just asked for the microphone. I had no idea what she was going to ask you. She's not allowed next time. Um, yeah, um, so I grew up in Dallas. Um, I'm trying to keep it short because I, when I start talking, it's kind of hard to, you know, bring it to a... Yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Dallas. Um, my parents got divorced when I was 10, broken home. They're not believers. I'm the black sheep of the family. Um, we've never been close with them. But um, I played soccer, went to college on a soccer scholarship. Um, I grew up in kind of like a moralistic kind of church. They told you, you know, do this or you're going to hell. So I kind of didn't like that and kind of just rebelled and had my crazy college party days and all that fun stuff. So... Um, and then when I met him, um, he kind of started asking me to go to church with him, and I was in a bad relationship at that time, kind of, um, kind of, he held me back, but then once that fell apart, he was there, you know, by God's grace to help me get back where I should, so he's been a big part um, of my testimony, but um, yeah, that's, that's a short version. I would love to share it more personal things at some point but that's that's a brief yeah in the te in the church that they were involved in and, and some of you know about the ministry is Matt Chandler and the village church so you know that it's a solid bible teaching body of believers and it was through that ministry that I think uh, both of you really saw the Lord work in your life in significant ways even you Brian as a believer came in to see the Lord uh, really kind of uh, enlighten your heart to the joy of faithful obedience and then in light of that bring Ashley along and invite her into that and that was probably something that was appealing in light of what you were working through in your own life at that time so yeah it was we did the recovery ministry I don't know if any of you have heard of it but it's not just for like drug addiction it's for um, um, like just personal like pride um, abuse anger you know things that people kind of trying to stick, stick away from and are afraid to talk about. So it was good that we kind of had that as a starting foundation for. Yeah, it was cool because when she came to faith, the way that the village does baptisms is that someone who kind of was influential in your faith story gets to baptize you. So it was cool as an engaged couple, like I got to baptize my future wife in a few months. And it was just a really cool really cool time for us. And like Todd said, the Lord really shaped us and formed us individually, but also as a young, engaged couple uh, through the ministry of this church. So it was a very formative time for us. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> uh, my, name, my name's Louisa. Uh, first of all, Ashley, we love that kind of authenticity. Thank you. Um, I was thinking, too, that given the scrutiny you guys have been through, if this doesn't work out, you could work for the CIA yeah. <laughs> easily. Um, but in, part of my questions uh, have, have been answered. But, Ashley, I was just wondering, what was this process like for you? Because it was pretty detailed and lengthy. Um, and so uh, how did you feel about the process? Um. I feel good about it. I think it's been a good growing experience for the both of us and learning to just wait on the Lord's timing and to really trust like their intentionality. And it's just been good for us to sit and wait. We, we tend to not do that. That's just the pace of life up in New England. You just go, you do, you don't really sit back and just hear. 
So for, yeah, it's a, it's been, it's been enjoyable for me. We've been learning a lot about them, you guys, ourselves. It's been really good. Carrie, there was a question up here too, when you get to it. I don't know where I'm walking, so. I think the, hmm? no, never mind. You can't find anybody, I'll talk. <laughs> Um, you've gone through quite a process where Todd has asked you many questions and you've asked Todd many questions and you have complimented the church and we've asked you many questions here today already. Do you have any questions particularly for the body of the church? And in addition to that, um, you have done your research on our church and you've told us many things that you like about Melanie Park. Where do you see some weak areas and what do you think you could help us with? Yeah, um, I think one of the potential opportunities is being addressed in this process, just continuing to, to pass down leadership to the next generation and to, you know, equip 34-year-old guys to equip the next generation even, you know, uh, the 20-year-olds, the high school kids. I mean, ministry, the way that Jesus set it up is you just always pass down. What you know, you pass down to, to the next person and who passes down to the next, who passes down to the next. So. Yeah, I think just one of, the, one of the opportunities is to pass leadership down to me and the pastoral staff, would, if, if the Lord was to bring me on, would be just naturally younger. And, um, so, yeah, that, that's one area. Um, another potential area, any time there's a, a church that has what I would call deep community, there's potential for new people to not be welcomed in. And we've been here all of six days. I've been here about six days with you guys. And um, I, I haven't seen that, but I would just assume that when there's tight community, how do, how do new people feel? How do those visiting for the first time feel? Are they engaged? Do they get connected? So that could be a, an area to look at as well, just uh, how do you assimilate people into, into the life of Melanie Park Church? Um, so those are, those are two of the possible things that I see, and I'm sure we'll have conversations and, and see what happens there. I think maybe, Brian, one of the things that came in our conversation that we talked about as a search team that might be good for them to hear is you know and, and Mark's been real open about this he didn't take the role of worship pastor to create a dynasty so that everything's done the way he's always done it and everybody has to comply he if anyone is going to be the one most willing to say hey you, you need to allow God to work through you as he's uniquely created you and so one of the things we talked about was, okay, but how do you navigate change? Because there's a body that's accustomed to a pattern that's existed for many years. And we probably don't want to go in day one and say that all goes away. But at the same time, you want to be able to function within your own unique gifts and abilities. So how does that look? How do you navigate change? And so, Brian, why don't you share a little bit about what you talked about in terms of how you've done that at other churches as you've considered songs and what that input that you've invited looks like, that process a little bit. That might be helpful for them. Yeah, so, I, I mean, before that, I mean, just naturally, Mark and I are two completely different people. So day one, when the Lord, if the Lord brings me here, there's going to be change right away um, just because I'm different and Mark's different. The way that we talk, the way that we sing, the way that we play, it's just going to be different. But when it comes to making broad-scale changes, if the Lord was to lead us in that way, you, you don't do anything until you have a lot of conversations. So my step one would just be to get to know 
as many of you as possible and just kind of hear your story, hear what the Lord's done in your life at Melanie Park, hear, hear the things to go back to your question, the, the strengths and the opportunities, and just kind of collect all this data in my head. Like, what does Melanie Park as a body, how, how do they feel about how things are, where things should be, where things were, just kind of getting a lot of collective information. And, and then if the Lord puts a, you know, maybe we should start making some changes in this area or this area based on conversations with you, start talking to Todd and the elders and say, hey, this is where I think the Lord's leading. What do you guys think? Can you, can you redirect this? Can you improve this? Can you just give me some feedback? Um, and then when it comes to whatever the Lord leads through that, then we start rolling out some changes. Uh, I think that's a healthy way to do it. You, just like this process has been slow, I think you change, you change, uh, you change things slowly. Um, the way that I've done it uh, in the past ha has been just that. So at Living Hope, uh, the church that I was leading part-time, uh, when I came in, there was a, a repertoire of songs that was a little bit outdated. Uh, so what we did, I, I, I didn't want to just come and start making changes on my own based upon my preference, what I like early 2000s alternative rock. I didn't want my preference to drive the, the song selection uh, for this church because I wanted the people to drive the selection. So what I did, I put together a song selection team. I just uh, formed, I think at the time it was a group of uh, eight people. I tried to get a cross section of the body. So a guy in his 20s, a girl in her 20s, 30s, 30s, 40s, 40s, 50s, 50s, whatever the case was. And once a month, I would send them some songs. Hey, these are some songs that are similar in style, similar in sound. I think the Lord might be leading us in one of these. So the team would listen to the songs. They'd give me some feedback. And then they would literally vote on which one they thought would be the best fit for the body and the worst fit for the body and then the one in the middle. I'd tally the votes, and we would roll out that song. So I always want what I do. Like, I think leadership works best when it's collaborative and collective. Um, so... I don't know exactly how we do that here, but something along those lines. I would want to get feedback and then start making steps based upon that feedback. One of the things that Brian talked about in that process that was good was that those three songs that he would pick, he has, it, it, you, you'll have to ask him about it sometime because it's a list, how many things? Uh, 13 criteria. There's 13 criteria that he considers when evaluating the content of a song, and he's looking pastorally at the message that's being communicated much like mark does every time he picks a song it's not a song that just is popular it's a song whose words communicate a message that's consistent with the truth that we want to produce here at melanie park it's consistent with the message of the sermon to be preached that day so brian has a similar process and he has these 13 criteria that these three songs have gone through and then those are the ones being presented so that they've kind of met his approval before going to this group of people. And then he gave the group uh, uh, guidance on, here's how you evaluate what is a good song for this body. And he gives them some criteria off of what he originally used to say, look at the words and see what they say and find the truths in the scripture that align. And that's one of the ways. And so there's a list of things that he did to kind of equip the team to evaluate the songs. So that they were going through a similar process, so they were all kind of moving in the same direction. Does that make sense? So it was really encouraging to hear his process, how intentional he was, how uh, collaborative he was by inviting that input, but how he equipped them 
to do that well. So it's more than just what's your opinion. It's what's your thoughts after having gone through this process of evaluating what might be best for this church body. Okay? So it was uh, well thought out. I'll give you the 13 criteria and you can decide for yourself. (laughs) Good answer. I'm actually kind of a visitor here now. We used to go here for about 10 years and we've moved to Dallas area. But uh, I'd like to say one thing is reflecting on what you've observed we identify still a great deal more with Melanie Park than we do with the church that we have joined I mean this is you know we compare everything to how it was here so and we talk about it often so I I think your observations are great I wanted to ask you uh, when you talked about you used some certain words and there are some things that really click with me and one word is discipleship so I wanted to ask the question, and you've talked about being intentional about selecting music. How intentional, or if that's the right way to say it, do you, do you believe that you know, discipleship should be an intentional thing, or is it something that just happens as a church does certain things as a congregation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the, way that I, the way that I've heard it, so, and this is, how I would answer the question. Some people view discipleship as very mechanical, right? You come to a class, there's a workbook, you go through page one through 100. Once you get through the curriculum, you've been discipled. So that's one, one extreme, like the mechanical linear, right? Then there's the other extreme, which is more relational, organic, like you just hang out, you have coffee, you talk. Um, that would be the relational organic. I think good, healthy discipleship, and I would assume this is how Jesus did it, was kind of in the middle. So there is structure and strategy and intention behind it, but the way that you do it is relational and organic, and it is over coffee. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. It doesn't have to be over coffee, but I'll have, probably have a cup of coffee. So. But yeah, there, there's, there's got to be structure to it, um, and the structure mostly comes from the Bible. Uh, I think most of your discipleship should be Bible-based. It's okay to do books and, and sermons and things like that, um, those are helpful, but when it comes to the scriptures, Jesus has kind of given us a discipleship book. Um, and if you help people walk through that and help them learn how to, to read and interpret and apply the Bible for themselves, that really sets them out to, to become a fully formed disciple. Um, but you need to do it in community. You need to do it in, in small groups at times. You need to, of two or three. You need to do it in larger groups of 10 or 12. And then just as a church, we're in a way, we're discipling one another through our interactions together. So, and you see that, the, the, the small group, the, the slightly larger group than the larger group. You see that in the way that Jesus did it as well. Okay, so my name is Owen, and I want each of y'all to answer this. What is your favorite cereal? <laughs> that is the best question I've heard all day. <laughs> um. Cereal. Cereal, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge cereal guy. Cereal. He'll eat Honey Nut Cheerios if we have it for the girls, but he doesn't really eat it. I, on the other hand, love Frosted Flakes with chocolate milk. (laughs) (laughs) 
that. I did. I did tell um, Grant the other day, and he was like, "You put chocolate milk in there." I'm like, "Do it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're buddies. He's, he's my little buddy. I think we have Lance. So life is always very busy. Um, we seem to have no time for anyone or anything most most days. So I'm curious who you uh, would go out of the way to help or to be nice to. Um, it would probably start with wherever the Lord, if the Lord brings us here and wherever he lands us housing-wise, we'd probably start with our neighbors, uh, just getting to know our neighbors and getting to know if they're in Christ or not in Christ and just starting to engage that way based upon that. Um, and then, I, I, I don't know, I guess when we come here, uh, whoever, we, who, whoever reaches out to us, we'll reach back to them and, and just kind of start building relationships that way. Um, is, is this kind of answering your question? Um, I'm going to cut you off at two questions. Yes, your questions are too good. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I guess just whoever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. Like, you know, there's those moments when wherever you are, it's just like, hey, go, go talk to that person or go, go see what that person's doing uh, just to maybe follow the Holy Spirit and, and who he's calling us to, to engage with. That's all I got for you there. Yeah. Well, I'll say I'm, I'm very intuitive, so, like, I have, like, very, like, if someone in here is, like, I, I'll be drawn to them somehow. Something and be like, hey, you need to go and say just hi. I'm, I, I get that kind of sense when I'm around people, so that helps him. Like, hey, like, hey, Brian, like, he looks off today. Go, go talk to him. That's, that's so, so I think teamwork, we kind of work that way, but individually, that's how I am. I think that was another encouraging thing that we heard through the process is to, to see how even young in their marriage, they're learning how to complement one another in the way God has uniquely gifted them. And Ashley said, I'm very intuitive, and she's made that same comment in our conversations about how she has learned to help Brian see things that he might otherwise not recognize that she's very attuned to. Brian has learned to seek that and to uh, invite that input to help him be more sensitive in ways that she's uniquely gifted in, in ways better than him, which is, you know, true in my marriage too. So I think that's good to see healthy. I don't know if Ashley was pointing at me when she said that somebody looked off, but I'll look forward to talking to you later, Brian. <laughs> hey, um, we have teenagers, and I'm sitting here amongst a bunch of teenagers, and so it's really important to our family and to our kids for them to be invested in youth group but also into a Sunday morning service so I'm curious what your thoughts or strategies might be to engage these kids and even the you know the the older elementary people that are in here sometimes in order to help them grow and be encouraged to move forward as we're they're eventually moving out of our house in the next few years and and I, I just feel like it's important to engage them so I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're t- is it Chris and Emma? Yes. Yeah, we, we were talking to them a little bit, a little bit last night, and um, 
and just looking forward to, to hanging out with them and just kind of starting to have some conversations about, you know, if there's anything I could do to help them invest in the youth ministry. Um, I mean, I don't want to be too hands-on in the ministry because that's running as it is, but I would love to offer input and, and, and feedback and, and be a help in any way I could. Uh, when it comes to Sunday morning, I mean, I'd love to have some conversations with the high school kids and even younger, like you mentioned, like, hey, what, what styles of music are you listening to? And start engaging even the high school kids in some of those ways. Because, um, again, being in a multi-general church, there's a whole gamut of ages and stylistic preferences. But, but making sure that some of the younger sounding songs are incorporated in and and um, depending on how the youth uh, band is and where that is, I don't, I don't know if we'd even, I, I think you said at times the, the high school kids come up and lead and play, so I'd love to be involved in that. Um, but I'm really not sure. Uh, again, I've only been here six days and I've probably talked to maybe 30, 40 people, so I look forward to having many more conversations with the high school kids and, and uh, others and just kind of getting a sense together of what the next steps are. But yeah, definitely that's, you want to invest in the next generation. So, so being intentional and thoughtful in that and, and even meeting with you and your husband and getting your input, and uh, that'd be beneficial as well. So. That's one of the things that we actually asked about was, okay, we've got a student ministry, uh, and what would your involvement be even within the music of how they lead worship downstairs? Um, and Brian was really quick to respond with a desire to come alongside them to equip, encourage, develop. I think that was part of the conversation, right, Chris, with, with you, with, with what you're doing down there now, and just being able to say, okay, how do we uh, help uh, the students learn how to lead in ministry in their context and then see that flow into the context of what happens on a Sunday morning? So that was a great question, one that we had for Brian and one that we wanted him to see from the question that the Part of the expectation of him coming in is to have some influence in what happens in the life of the student ministry. So thanks for asking the questions. Well, welcome to Lubbock. Um, let me ask a kind of a hard question. Um, could y'all expand, and this is probably a Todd and Brian question, but just, Brian, what's your perspective of authority and kind of how you guys perceive if, if you did have a difference or it's kind of a multi-part question, but, you know, Todd's going to be leading. How do you roll up under that? And kind of how does the music piece weave into all that? Yeah, yeah, we have had many conversations on this. Um, so the elders lead the church, right? They're the ones that Jesus holds responsible for the, the life of the body. Uh, the pastoral team submits under the elders and, and gets uh, vision and direction, comes from top down. But then there's also that line of communication, and there's also that line where uh, I think the pastoral team has the freedom to say, hey, elders, could we have a conversation about this? Maybe the Lord might want to lead it this way or that way. What do you think? And then you talk it through. You get the Bibles out. You, you, you flesh it out. Um, but yeah, as a member of the pastoral team, I am under the authority of the elders of this church. Um, but at the same time, commissioned by them and, and by Jesus as the ultimate shepherd to to equip and serve the body. So that's kind of how I see it at, at a very, you know, to, to give a quick answer to that question. And the process has kind of fleshed some of this out for, for you, Trace. So we've had a number of conversations. And one of the things that I've appreciated about Brian is sometimes when you go through this process uh, in an effort to get a job, 
candidates will tell you what they think you want to hear. And at risk of losing the opportunity, they may not be honest about how they really feel about something. There have been uh, several occasions where we've had a conversation and Brian has been honest enough to say, you know, I think I might look at that different. Can we talk through that? And so we've had conversations through this process where he's expressed his perspective that we've then circled back around on and been able to kind of dialogue together to find the common ground. And the thing that I personally find to be most favorable in this process in terms of what I've learned about Brian is his humility and teachability. He's just been willing to hear and listen and to walk through things. Um, I hope that he would say that it has been encouraging to him because we've had those conversations, Trace. And so some of the benefit of the long, thorough process is just to, to test the reality of that. You know, some of it we've already begun to see through the process, and it has confirmed that there's a healthy dialogue there. Did you add anything to I, I agree. Um, and just kind of how I'm wired, if I feel strong about something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue is not the right word, but I'm going to argue my point until you convince me otherwise that my view is wrong. Um, but doing it in a humble, gracious way. But <laughs> I second that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for whatever reason, I, I have strong opinions on things that I think are biblically true. And, and unless we talk and, and you show me in the Bible that my position's off, then I'm, I'm going to still hold to what I believe is biblically true. So. Maybe one more, unless you don't want to hear me this morning, and then we can just keep on going. Uh, we got two yeah, more. Two. Okay, why don't you do these two? All right, so kind of a question that we ask in the youth group a lot is the, the four questions. And so, um, they're four phone calls, excuse me. And so, you're jumping out of a plane, and your parachute doesn't open, okay? So, you know you're going to die. You have four phone calls you can make. And one of the phone calls, you have to say, I love you to someone. One, I'm sorry. One, thank you. And one, I forgive you. So, it's who do you call, and who do you say that to? Can you call the same person four times? <laughs> okay. It's got to be different. Because <laughs> if you could, it'd be her. Um, but, yeah, I love you would be Ashley. Um, I'm sorry, is that the second one? Um, I'm sorry. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, my brother. I have a brother who's four years younger than me. And I haven't always been the best older brother, you know, growing up. You know, I was in high school when he was in, uh, yeah, he was in elementary school. I went to college when he was coming to high school. And I didn't do a, in, when he went to college, I was out of college. So I didn't do a good job being a good older brother to my younger brother. So that would probably be it. We had a conversation a few years back where we, we kind of did the I thank you. But there's probably still more there that needs to be addressed, um, just the way that we interact and, and relate to each other. Um, thank you was the third one. Um, my mom. I would call and say thanks to my mom. And what was the fourth one? I forgive you. Um, uh, <laughs> It'd be the, the leadership team at the, the last church that we were coming from. There were some things that just didn't go as we expected and uh, some stuff on our end, too, that I might have to say I'm sorry for, but I think we've worked through most of that. But, uh, yeah, the, I'd call the whole leadership team, hope they were in the same room 
because I didn't have much time. So. <laughs> Stan, Stan, did you have? So you have to have your uh, well filled back up with worship. And since you're, both of you are applying for a worship minister position, what style of music fills your well back up? And are there particular artists where you just gel with that, uh, that, that you would want to engage the corporate body with? Yeah. Uh, do you want us both to answer or just me? I'll go first. Um, so for me right now, uh, Bethel Music, uh, they have a lot of artists in that collaborative who are writing some very, very good songs. Um, not all of them are theologically sound, uh, though there's quite a bit that are. And not all of them would be good to use in a corporate gathering, though a lot of them are. Uh, but for me personally, the, the songs, the style that fills me the most right now, it, it would be Bethel, uh, artists in that uh, collaborative. Um, there's not one artist or one group that, like, um, I, I like songs from a whole bunch of different uh, varieties. Like, right, right now, there's um, a passion song that I've been listening to called Death is Arrested. Uh, that song just really, really uh, strikes my soul. Um, there's a few others. Phil Wickham's got a few new good ones coming out. One's called Living Hope. Um, so that, those are the ones that come to my head right now. And he's the one who introduced me to worship music that wasn't cheesy and really corny. So my what helps me really just take my mind off things is like Bethel or Hillsong worship, like the newer the newer stuff. And um, is it Passion? Passion Church. I like the more of like the big band, the big like like singing loud. That just really refuels me. But I like to sit outside and listen to music and just close my eyes and not think because, you know, having little kids, you don't really get time to not hear noise. Okay. Um, let's uh, wrap this up. And uh, let me encourage you, if you did have a question that you didn't, weren't able to ask that um, would invite you to come to the picnic tonight, because Brian and Ashley will be there, and uh, it'd be a great opportunity just to have a, a social conversation there while we spend some time together and walk around the park and that sort of thing. So I invite you to do that, or grab them after church or in between and that kind of thing. Just uh, they've been real gracious to have lots of conversations with lots of people. So um, anyway, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, get ready for our corporate worship. Lord, thank you uh, for the time. Thank you for this church. I'm just uh, grateful for their gracious hearts, their love and uh, commitment to this body of believers. Um, things that Brian and Ashley have observed, things that I personally and my family have experienced. Um, and Lord, we all ultimately are looking to you in this decision, in how we function as a body, we, you are the great shepherd. Uh, we do submit to you. You are the author and perfecter of faith. And we want to live a life that is humble before you in ways that allows um, you to work through us to proclaim your goodness, your grace and forgiveness to the world in which we live. 
and that we see that being cultivated here and then lived out loud in the world around us. So God, please uh, guide us and direct us in this and all the things that we do in the life and ministry of this church uh, to the praise and glory of your name. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys.